0: That our hearts are established not with the doctrines of men, not with anything strange or weird, but our hearts are established with grace. And we thank you for your will done tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise, the Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, just before I go off <laughs> where I believe the Lord would have us do, and I left my Bible tonight, but do you know God doesn't change because because I'm not using my, my regular Bible. Yeah. Do you know he's still the same? Yes. And if, if, even though this is not my regular Bible, it's the Bible over here because I left my stuff in Hamilton. He's still the same. And the Holy Ghost is still the same. Yeah. And the Holy Ghost works the same way. He still brings all things to our remembrance. Amen. He still instructs, teaches, and does all that wonderful stuff. He still performs miracles by the hearing of faith. Praise God forevermore. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. You know, I had this thought the other day. And I was thinking about a situation I was going into. And, you know, as a minister, sometimes you always you kind of wonder, am I ready? Am I prepared? And we get into that, you know, that place. And, you know, I, I don't know. We have, we have these scriptures that says he will bring all things to our remembrance. We have the scriptures that says he will go before us and set us in His footsteps and His pathways. And that's all wonderful. And that you don't have to worry about what you're gonna say because in the same moment He'll give you what you ought to say to yourself. 12, 12. But one of the scriptures that came to me that was such an encouragement that really anchored me that I never ever, 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 ever have to be concerned whether I'm ready. And it is, and it is this fact. The Bible says that we have The gospel shoes of peace. Now in the King James and in some versions it will call it the gospel shoes of readiness. And so you think about that and what is this readiness that we have that we walk in? These are the shoes we walk in. What is this readiness? It's the gospel, the good news of peace. What peace? Are we talking old covenant peace? Shalom? You know nothing broken, nothing missing? Wholeness? No, we're talking new covenant peace. And new covenant peace according to Colossians 1 verse 20 is that by the blood of his cross he has, recon- he has made peace by the blood of his cross by his sacrifice and he has reconciled everything unto the Father. Which means what? He has reconciled everything to God's original intent. Whatever God originally intended and Adam messed it up and the devil messed it up the sacrifice of Christ, the blood of his cross and what he did has, set, has reset the clock and everything is now reset and reconciled to his original intent and purpose. And that's what the peace of God in the new covenant is. That everything has been reconciled to God's original intent and purpose. Which means if we've got a situation that seems to be arrayed against us, if we've got a situation that seems... Violent against us that seems there's no way this is going to work out. We can walk into that situation with a confidence that this too has already been reconciled unto God. Amen? And therefore, this has no choice, but it's going to work together for my good. And we can walk into every situation knowing that a God of peace that reconciles everything, that has Reconcile everything unto himself through the sacrifice of Christ will bruise the enemy underneath my feet, and therefore I can have peace by all means. And the scripture for that Second Thessalonians three, I think, verse sixteen. And, and so, this is the place that we are in, and that's a tremendous place of confidence. And the reality of that says. Now this is what you're walking in. Therefore, you can have a readiness. You can be well prepared. You can be confident. No matter what's going on, that peace can guard your heart and mind, knowing that everything has been reconciled. So therefore, we need not be anxious about anything, but in everything, stay hooked up to God. And by praying and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And that peace that has reconciled everything will guard your heart and mind like a garrison of soldiers. And so 2 Corinthians chapter um, 4 and verse 15 says that all things, 4.15, yes, all things are for me, everything I'm working for my sake. No, it doesn't look that way, but that's what I declare it to be. No, it is not going to work for my sake if I don't say so, because you see, the word of God and what is finished is reality to God, but it doesn't become my reality until I speak it. Amen? That's the truth. Whatever is finished is finished, but it's not finished for me until I declare it. That is with my mouth. That's why the Bible says, don't take the thought saying, what are you going to eat or what are you going to drink? Don't take that anxious thought, because if you allow that anxious thought to come out of your mouth and speak it, you are taking it. You are aligning yourself with it. You are engaging yourself with it. And by so doing, you engage with it and you disconnect with God. So he says, don't be anxious for everything, but let the peace of God stay hooked up with God. Stay in prayer. Stay engaged with God. You see, this is a tremendous truth that believers absolutely must get a hold of. You see, we hear a lot of messages about how much you need to speak, and you need to declare, and you need to decree, and declare what the Lord has decreed. And we hear it, and we think, yeah, amen, that's good. But still, we don't do it. And the reason we don't do it is because two things. Number one, there's the intimidation that comes from the enemy that they want to hinder you from speaking. And the reason why he wants to hinder you from speaking is because he knows that life and death is in the power to come. And he knows that you're speaking, especially from where you are in Christ, from that place of righteousness, where you're seated at the Father's right hand, he knows that when you are speaking from that place, power is released. He knows that when you speak from that place, that that, that you are able to rule over him and you are able to bring everything into subjection and into obedience to the life of Christ that is in you. So he therefore has to stop you. Amen? That is why the number one fear that people have is public speaking. Why? Because the enemy knows that this is where it is. This is the thing that makes you most like God is the ability to choose words and speak it. right? Pirates don't do that. They only echo stuff. (laughs) No animal does it. Even angels don't have the right to do that. They did that and they got in trouble. They got kicked out. of. One third of them got kicked out of heaven. Isn't that right? But we are the only ones that have that authority to choose words and speak them. What is man that you are mindful of him? So you see, the devil knows that. So therefore, an entire human race, he has this intimidating force. And especially when you're a believer, don't talk. Don't say that. Don't talk. And then if you do talk, he wants you to talk unbelief. He wants you to murmur. He wants you to echo the circumstances and the environment as opposed to speaking what is already settled in heaven. Because until you speak what is settled in heaven, it doesn't get settled in earth. Because you are the authority, and you are the you are the you are the authority of God in this earth. God's authority is exercised through you. Amen. God gives up his authority in the sense. When he says, let man have dominion. Amen? So he can just come in and do whatever he wants. But we give him the right. So the devil knows that. So there's that force against us continually. Amen? Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So he says that we've got gospel shoes and we can walk in a place of readiness and confidence no matter what's going on. Because we know that the the sacrifice of Christ has reconciled everything to his original intent. Therefore, no matter what's going on, I'm in a place of readiness. I'm ready. I'm ready. Glory to God. Are you ready? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let's go back to uh, Righteousness 101. (laughs) how is that where where, where are we going to go tonight but before we go there does anyone have a question nice to see you Crystal you you are a total surprise tonight I just just moved here to St. Catherine's yeah Yeah, well just for two (laughs) weeks and then I don't know where I'm going All right, well God knows knows. amen praise the Lord alright Righteousness 101. Third will be the first John chapter 3, verse 7. Hallelujah. Do you know you are made the righteousness of God in Christ? Yes. I'm echoing a little. Yes. Praise the Lord. 1 John 3 and 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Father, is righteous. You're doing righteousness. You're doing righteousness. He that do righteousness is as righteous as God is righteous. Now, we know that the Bible says, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, then you does not among anything. Amen? And it also says in um, Romans chapter 10, And verse 3, I believe it is. These pages stick. (laughs) Romans chapter 10 and verse 3 says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they go about to establish their own righteousness, having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They go about trying to establish their own righteousness based on their works, based on their performance, based on how good they are, based on how upright they are, and so on and so forth, as opposed to simply submitting to the righteousness which is of God. You see, Jesus became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So there is no point for us to go about trying to develop our own righteousness, where there is something that we can, that our doing is going to accomplish this righteousness, which is of God. Now, I had a conversation with someone very recently. And when I mentioned the word righteousness, immediately they mentioned holiness. In that they, meant, they hear righteousness and they think, oh, behavior, holy, and so on. Which, of course, there is, a, there is a relationship. Because the Bible says the fruit of righteousness is holiness. Because when you operate in righteousness, you're going to find yourself in a place where it is like God only that is dominating your life, which is the essence of holiness. But at the same time, when they said about righteousness and they made a shift to holiness, what were they talking about? They were talking about behavior and conduct. Now, of course, we have to behave and conduct ourselves right, because whom you yield is self to him you his servants, you are to whom you obey. All right? So I'm not making a license for sin or anything else, but the righteousness, which is of God, that God is desiring for us to submit to, is not based on our works. I, I, I know of one person who has had a lot of tragedy and a lot of extreme difficulty in their lives. And they would say, and, and in discussing that with them, they would say, I, I don't understand why these things have happened to me. I was, I've, been a good, I've been a good Christian from since I was very young. I did all the right things. You know, I, I went to church, I, I was a good person, and I did this and I did that. All right? Which is true. But they are saying, because of my great goodness, therefore these bad things should, ought not to have happened to me. What are they saying? Their confidence is in their righteousness. Amen? And that there is dangerous. Because the Bible says, even right here in Romans chapter chapter 10, in about verse in verse um, four, Christ is the end of the law of righteousness. Everyone that believes, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the end of the, that any that's the end of any rule and regulation that says this is how you're going to be righteous. That is the end of it. You don't have to look to any law. You don't have to look to any works anymore. When you believe in the Lord Jesus, because the Bible says, "With a heart, man believeth unto righteousness." Amen. So when we go back to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7, and it says, "Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Even as God is righteous. Obviously, it cannot be saying that you're going to be righteous as God is righteous based on what you do. It can't be saying that, because Romans just said that, that, that that's not going to work. Amen. And and and, and the, the best of all righteousness, it says in Isaiah, is as filthy rags, isn't it right? Yes. So what is it talking about when it says that um, he that that let no he that doeth righteousness is righteous, yes. even as God is righteous? What is he talking about? Well, before I answer, answer that, let me say this: First John four seventeen says, as Jesus is so are we in this word. Isn't that right? As Jesus is, so are we in this word. Is that true for the little children? Is that true for the person that is just born again that don't even know where to to find Amos? Or Nahum? Or Obadiah? (laughs) Right? Do you know where to find Obadiah? (laughs) Without going to the content? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, but they are righteous. The person that is born again, as Jesus is, so are they in this world. So that they can have boldness in the day of judgment, 1 John four seventeen, Because they are that way, this is by their birth. Amen? That as Jesus is, all that Jesus is, he is in them, and that is now their life, and that is now their identity. Now as they grow up in Christ, then they learn to receive him as their identity, him as their strength, him as their wisdom. Him as their righteousness, Him as their sanctification, Him as their redemption, Him as their healing, Him as their divine help, etc., etc. And then from that place, they learn to stand in boldness and confidence before God and before the enemy and before the circumstances of life. So here's the fact. As Jesus is, so is every believer in this world. However, Because as Jesus is, so are you in this world. Therefore, you are to be as Jesus is in this world. Therefore, you are to act like that. Well, similarly, every believer is made righteous. And therefore, because you are righteous, act righteous. That's what it's saying. In in, in 1 John 2 6, it it, it says, 1 John 2 6 says, Okay. Oh my. my. First John 2.6 6 says, Oh, I don't know the book. Okay. He that says he abides in, 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 in Christ ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Can is every believer in Christ? But is every believer gonna walk as Christ walked? Not necessarily. Amen. So every believer is righteous. Every believer is in Christ and he ought to walk as Jesus walked. Every believer is as Jesus is. Therefore, he ought to be as Jesus is. Every believer is righteous because Jesus was made to be sin for him and he is now made the righteousness of God in Christ and therefore he ought to do righteousness to be consistent with who he is. He is the righteousness of God. So that's what the that scripture is basically all about. Now, having said that now, now I have to ask my question. I got to ask myself this question. What am I supposed... Because it says he that doeth righteousness is righteous. So how do I do righteousness? Is it by all the good deeds that I do? We know that that doesn't work. We ought to do good deeds. Amen? We ought to not violate our conscience. But what is it talking about? Well, to find out what it's talking about, he that doeth righteousness is righteous, then we need to find out what is it? What does it mean to be righteous? Amen? What does it mean to be righteous? Okay. Um, I remember, and I've said this before, but back in the 80s, when the Lord, the Lord first begin to spoke to me about righteousness and quite frankly I heard it It made, I received it to some extent but I couldn't understand it and I, looking back now there is no way I could have possibly understood it or get a revelation of it but back then what the Lord had said to me was to be righteous is to be right even as God is right and that was too much for me I couldn't even speak it, I couldn't even say it it sounded so sacrilegious it sounded so, so wrong it's something like sin for me to say I'm right even as God is right. Now, who do you think you are? Amen? I could say it easier now. But that's what he said. To be right even as God is right. Okay, so I was never exactly able to communicate that back then for years. And over the years, he's helped me. And here is the understanding that I have come to. And this is how I teach it. And maybe if we go back over there, you know, fine. But the issue of being righteous now in the religious world and I'm going to say the religious world in the church world and even in, the world, in many of the church circles that we walk in whether it be grace, whether it be Pentecostal whether it be Baptist whether it be uh, people that study the word of God they will tell you and they will speak of righteousness in the context of right standing with God amen which is correct but it is also um, what, what should I say it's a, low level, it's a lower level of understanding, correct, but on a lower, but on the, you know, where the cookies are, you know, in a lower shelf, all right? And nothing's wrong with that, and we're going to come back to that because it is still very important, but there's a greater comprehension of righteousness than right standing with God, and when we get the comprehension of righteousness, then we can see, I got to do what that comprehension is. And when I do what, the, what righteousness is, then I'm doing righteousness. And yeah, of course I'm righteous. Amen? And then if I function in that righteousness, the Bible says what will happen is that that righteousness delivers even from death. Right? Isaiah, I mean Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4. I think Romans, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 2. That righteousness, the Bible says, will rule over all. The, the Bible says that that righteousness, if you function it correctly, according to Hebrews 1 verse 12, is going to activate and release the very kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God rules over all. Amen? Which means that the kingdom of God, which is Psalms one oh three 3 verse 19, will rule over devils and demons, sickness and disease and whatever. And if you function in righteousness, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is life because of righteousness. Your spirit is impregnated with all the divine healing and health that can heal every sick person in all of the universe. It's pregnant, is embedded in your spirit right now. Your spirit is the divine life and healing and health and wholeness of God because of righteousness. Because of that union that you have with the healer, with Christ, with the nature of God himself. Amen? So then, if I can learn how to do righteousness, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. But for me to do righteousness, i got to understand what it is. got to have a comprehension of it. And once I get a comprehension of it, do it. Amen? So what is this righteousness? What is it? Okay. Right, even as God is right. But alright, let's put that aside. Here is the most fundamental um, understanding or ground floor comprehension of righteousness. And it begins here. that That it is oneness with God. Oneness with God. So much oneness with God. Can you imagine if God, let's just take a mental picture here. If God is this big, all right, and you are this big, and you and God become one. Who is seen? God, God. <laughs> right? Would you say that if you were this tiny little speck of salt, you are the salt of the earth? <laughs> if you're this tiny speck of salt, and God is this huge, massive ocean of salt, and you are in Him, I would say your life is hidden with Christ in God, Amen? And all that is going to appear is going to be Him. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verse reading from verse 1, it says, um, it says basically, seek those things which are above, and so on and so forth. And then verse 3, for your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, he is your life. You, the essence of righteousness is this oneness with God. The Bible says in first Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. One spirit, not two. One spirit. All right? One spirit. John 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 the Baptist said in John chapter 3, and I think verse 30, he must decrease and I'm, I must increase. I must decrease and he must increase. The Bible says again in um In John chapter 14, he is the vine and we are what? The branches. What? The life that is in the vine, the sap that is in the vine, is the same sap that is in the branch. It's the exact same life and DNA. Ephesians says, he is the head and we are what? The body. Does the body have a different name? Does your body have a different name to your head? No. They are one. The reality of this oneness is so exceedingly great and God wants us to grasp that. Jesus prayed to that end in, the, in, in John chapter 17, his high priest prayer, when he prayed, Father, that they might be one, one with each other, Baptist and Catholic and Pentecostal, so they could all have this ecumenical movement. No, that's not what he prayed, right? So they could overcome and overlook their differences. In theology and no he says that they might be one even as we are one even as you father and I are one that that they might be one even as we are I in you you and me I in them them in me that they may be made they may be one are you with me all right one that same one as Jesus says. you see me you see who the father I come in my father's name Whatever I do, I do it in my Father's name. So there is that. And if you read the gospel, they wanted to push Jesus over the cliff. Why? Not because of the miracles, but because he said, I and the Father are one. And he says, that's how it is. All right? It's about that oneness. It is about that oneness. That is the most fundamental, basic, foundational comprehension of righteousness is this oneness. I, that we are one. Now, if you, and don't forget, the people who are pursuing their own righteousness, Romans chapter 10, verse 3, have not submitted to the righteousness which is of God. They haven't submitted to that oneness. They're still fighting it, and they're still going around trying to do their own thing, rather than submitting and yielding to that oneness. And I cannot emphasize this enough, but let me back up a little bit. Because if you're going to submit to that oneness, and by so doing, begin your walk of doing righteousness, because if you do righteousness, and you function in righteousness, Jesus says, all these other things shall be what? Added on to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is not me to drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14 verse 17. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. The last you don't even waste your time praying about it. The Father knows you have need of these things. That's what the Gentiles seek after. You want to be like the Gentiles, confirmed unto this word. Don't spend your prayer time on that. God knows you have need of these things. And the Father wants to meet all your needs. He gives you all these riches and joy. Don't waste your time on that. But this is what you do. Seek first the kingdom of God. Pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Pursue righteousness. Fight the good fight to stay in that oneness. And what happens? All these other things shall be added unto you. He says, this is what I want. This is where I want you to be proficient. This is where I want you to be skillful in that word of righteousness. Hebrews chapter 5, and verse 13. Amen? This is what it's all about. So, so he said, now, now, if you want to p- operate in this righteousness, and this righteousness is oneness with God, and you genuinely want to operate in that, then it means, then, that you have to have this consciousness and this psychological mental awareness that I'm one with him. And I must get to that point where I refuse to separate myself from that oneness. I refuse to think of myself in any other dimension other than I'm one with him. Anytime I step out of there, I'm no longer putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. But instead, I'm making provision for the flesh. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So he says, this is how it works. And I'm emphasizing it as much as I can to point out that, yes, it is about this oneness. And to submit to the righteousness means you've got to develop this consciousness where I refuse to be separated from him even in my thinking. And he says, if you can do that, all these things will be added onto you. If you can do that, the effect of righteousness is going to be peace. If you can do that, this righteousness, you live on to righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. If you can do that, blah 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 blah, etc. etc. Amen. The kingdom of God will be activated. again, First Corinthians fifteen verse thirty-four: Awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness, and the reason why some don't awake to righteousness, it says, First Corinthians fifteen thirty-four, is because some have not the knowledge of God. It is the lack of knowledge that causes that. Amen. So he says, Awake. Awake, come awake. Have this consciousness and awareness of this righteousness. Oneness with God. That is the essence of righteousness. Out of there flows the other comprehensions. Now, just to back up to emphasize that even further. What was the problem with the fall of man? What happened when the devil tempted Adam and Adam? Sin. What is sin? It's it's what? Missing the mark. And it's separation from God, isn't it? Sin is separation from God. Righteousness is the exact opposite. Jesus has made sin for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin. He was separated from God. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That we might be in that oneness. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, 1 John 3, 8. That he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. What was the works of the devil? Sin, that he might destroy separation, and by that one offering, after he had offered himself, um, after that, um, I'm looking for scripture, which is what, nine twenty six Hebrews. Halabakasokolobo. So then, must he have? Often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but but now, once in the end of the world, had He appeared to what put away sin? How by the sacrifice of Himself to put away the separation that we had from God? How by the sacrifice of Himself, which tells us automatically He came to destroy the works of the enemy, put away sin, put away that separation. How by His sacrifice. That tells me automatically if we were to study further that that sacrifice is a means that put away sin, that sacrifice is a means that brings righteousness and this oneness into a reality that will tell me that when I start thinking, well, how do I live here? How do I live in this oneness? It was the sacrifice that made this possible. And when I start studying the sacrifice and I apply the sacrifice, what will it produce? It will cause me to be established in righteousness. Amen? That's not a lesson for tonight, but that's a good point. Amen? I remember back in 2016, I think it was, I was coming downstairs. (laughs) I've said this before, but it's it's how it is. Amen? I don't have much testimonies about, you know, I don't have any testimonies yet about raising the dead. (laughs) I don't have many testimonies regarding some miraculous things that happened. Well, praise God. and Maybe it's a good thing. That I haven't had much tragedy to deal with. And I don't want any testimonies like that. Amen. So I got to go with what I got. Whether it be my eyes being healed or whatever else. Or my foot or whatever. But you know, when God speaks to you, when God has spoken to you. Not because of what you heard coming to you through what some preacher said. But when God speaks to you, you know. When God speaks to you and you look back at it several years later. You will know the exact spot that he spoke and if you, when you can know that this is where I was, when he said so, 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 and nothing happens to blur that out of your memory, that was God. Amen? And the other times it might be true, but it was not necessarily God speaking it to you. One time back, I think it was 2006, I was coming on the stairs, and I think it was, maybe it was because I had asked God some questions, which you should always do. You ask God and you believe you receive when you ask. Why? Because the Holy Ghost says, Jesus says when the Holy Ghost comes, he will teach you what? All things. Ask and you shall what? Receive. The Bible says, by faith to faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. Therefore, I have every right to say, God, you know, I come across this particular thing here. And I just don't know what this means. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Show me. What do you mean the evidence not seen? What is the evidence that is not seen? Thank you, Lord, for showing it to me. And I don't know anything different after I said thank you. I'm just right where I was before. I don't know a thing, but I believe I receive it. What happened? It gives the Holy Ghost an assignment to reveal and to teach. Amen? So maybe I had done this sometime before, and I'd asked God some stuff about, about righteousness and the sacrifice and whatever. And I was coming down the stairs this one day, coming down the stairs, and as I was coming down, and as I hit a particular step, I heard the Holy Ghost say, right, that the sacrifice is the means by which you become established in righteousness. Amen? Now it's a couple of years later and I could prove that many different ways. But the only reason why is because God spoke that to me. And what I just said here, that by the offering, by his one sacrifice, he came what? To put away sin. To put away sin and bring in what? Righteousness. One, so this righteousness is brought in because of the sacrifice. So it should not be a surprise that when I study all the various aspects of the sacrifice and I walk in them, what will happen? I will automatically be established in righteousness. Amen? And um, Isaiah chapter 6 to 54 verse 14 says, well verse 13, my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Great will be the reality of them being, of everything being reconciled to God's original intent. And in righteousness they're going to be established. In oneness with me they're going to be established. They're going to be far from oppression because they shall not fear. And from torment it will not. Uh, it shall not even come near them. Amen. So, so then, so here was this. Um, so here is the point. Back up a little bit again. So here, sin created this separation. Jesus came to destroy that. To what? To fix that so that we no longer separated and we could be made righteous. Amen? And he did it. He said it's finished. He says he destroyed the works of the enemy. So what did he accomplish? He accomplished righteousness. He accomplished putting, paying the price, doing what needs to be done, so that now we are in this place where we can operate in oneness with God. Amen? And everything, this was the whole problem to start with. The problem was the sickness. The problem wasn't disease, the problem wasn't murder, the problem wasn't all the, the airs that happened in the human race. The problem was separation from God. Amen? But you fix it, is by it says in Romans chapter 5, by verse 12, that through sin came death. And then death reigned upon all men. So what's the root? Sin separation. So how do we fix? So where should the answer to all the problems be? Righteousness. Righteousness delivers from death. Righteousness activates the kingdom. The kingdom of God rules over all. Amen? Operate in righteousness and everything else shall be added on to you. Grace. Wonderful grace. How does it reign? How does grace operate? Romans chapter 5 verse 21 says, It reigns through righteousness. You remove that tunnel of righteousness, grace stops. Right, it's in the Bible, Romans five, verse twenty-one. Am I exalting one above the other? I'm just saying. I'm just trying to for us to comprehend this. All right, so, so, so then, he that doeth righteousness. So, what does it mean to do righteousness? Well, number one, it means you got to operate in this oneness with God. You got to think that way. You got to talk this way. You got to talk like you're one with God. You got to think like you're one with God. That means you got to have the mind of Christ. You can't think and talk based on the circumstances and the environment. And what people think, right? And well, how people affect you and all of that. No, you can't talk and think that way. Your attitudes cannot be governed by that. All right? But you've got to operate like if you're one with God. Now, out of this one, this comes a couple other things. One of them is right. what we do call right standing. But what do you mean right standing? The right standing, quite frankly, is because of an aspect of the sacrifice of Christ, which is the shed blood of Jesus. Because the blood has been shed and we are what? Forgiven. Forgiven of what? Sins. S-I-N-S. Not S-I-N. S-I-N-S. Because of that, there is no sins. God said there is no record of your sin in heaven. Your sins and iniquities are what? Remember them no more. As far as the east and the west. So God says I don't have any record of them. And in fact, not only do I not have no record of them, but according to Colossians 1 verse 22, in my sight, you are holy. Um, you are holy. You are without blame and you are without reproach. I don't even see any fault in you. Isn't that good? People might see fault in you. (laughs) But what do I care? (laughs) I'm crucified to them. They're crucified to me. Right? I'm not affected by what they think or don't think, one way or the other. Amen? So this reality of right standing breaks down into this. It breaks down to the fact that by, because of the blood we are justified. What does justified mean? Just as if sin has never, never been. Well, what does it look like if sin has never been? If sin has never touched your life, if there is no such existence, there is no such thing in your thinking. Well, if there is no such thing even in your thinking, you are so righteous, you can't even think about it. Then number one, of course there's forgiveness, but it means that if there's no sin, there is no guilt. So it's freedom from guilt. It means there is no shame. So there's freedom from shame. There is no condemnation, some sense of impending doom. And the very opposite, because of the righteousness, I've got certain rights. There's an expectation (laughs) versus condemnation. Expectation of glory. So there is no guilt, no shame, no condemnation, no sense of insecurity. Amen? And no fear and no inferiority. Because this righteousness has raised me up given god's divine nature as now my own nature now i have the nature of god god has raised me up to his level i'm in his species amen you know dogs relate to one another in a different way than they do to human beings and so do cats and so because they're, they dogs and dogs are in the same species they're in the same realm well god and god is in the same realm Well, you've been raised up and you're in that same realm. We are of the God kind. We are partakers of his divine nature. So there is no longer any inferiority. Amen? So here I am now. So what does it mean, right standing? It means to stand in the presence of a holy God. A God who is a consuming fire. Perfectly pure and holy and righteous in all of his ways. And I can stand before him without any sense of guilt, any sense of shame, any sense of condemnation, any sense of insecurity, any sense of inferiority, and I can stand before him with boldness and confidence. And also, too, I can stand before the enemy as a victor and not a victim. Can you see that? So there is that second comprehension of righteousness, which is what we call right standing, no shame, no guilt, no insecurity, no inferiority, no condemnation. So if I'm going to do righteousness in that area, I'm going to have to start acting like there's no condemnation. I'm going to start acting like I don't have no guilt. I'm going to have to start acting like there is no shame. I've got to start acting like I'm an inferior period. Amen? I mean, I reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. You know what it is to reign? To reign is a a sense of superiority in reigning. Isn't that what it says? To one man offense, death reigned by one. How much more they which have received what? Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall walk Reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. Romans 5, Reign. Be superior to. I'm not superior to you. You're not superior to me. But there is a sense of superiority that we walk in. In a place of kingship. We are made kings and priests unto God. And in the word of a king, there is power. Woo! Glory to God. How are you with me? But where are we at? We're just talking about right standing. As if sin has never been. So there's a second comprehension. One is with God, coming out of that. Um, this right standing, coming out of that. Let's say the issue of rights. I'm a child of God. You're a son of God. God, because you're a son of God, you have got rights and privileges. the inheritance is yours. You are joint heir with Christ. You are an heir of God of all things. I've got rights because I belong here. I'm a citizen of heaven. You notice know there are rights and privileges. I was hearing a testimony of a particular person who was standing in faith concerning a particular financial matter and they had simply said, God, you need to do this by so, so, so time because this is what's happening and... Um, and this just needs to this just has to happen and it came to pass and God did whatever it was and somebody was asking them "Well, what if God didn't do it and they kind of like what do you mean like what if God didn't? They didn't even they didn't have the thought about what if not they never had the thought of what if God did not do it you know why because they had a sense of they may not have known that that's what they were doing But they were literally functioning in righteousness. This is my right. I'm a son of God. God, I need you to do this because this is what's happening. And they didn't have another thought. They didn't have a plan B. Which which means what? They were in a place whereby the Bible says, if you believe and doubt not. The Bible says the the the, 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 the double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways. Let not some man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And so they were not in that place. Why? Because of the issue of rights. So, as, 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 as the righteousness of God. So the aspect of it, the third aspect of righteousness of God: first, the oneness with God; second, the issue of rights—standing, freedom from guilt, condemnation, insecurity, inferiority, shame—and then also to—and uh, um, then also to the issue of rights, right the rights and privileges that you have. And because of the rights, all the promises of God in Christ, not apart from Christ, but in Christ, functioning as who you are. In him, they are yes and amen. Certainly. And then the fourth one is the issue of authority. Which unfortunately is where a lot of believers stumble. The issue of authority. I'm a king. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. And therefore, I have the authority to speak a certain way. To talk a certain way. And the righteousness, which is a faith. That oneness with God. My faith, Abraham's faith was counted for righteousness. Which means Abraham's faith and confidence in what God has said. The confidence in what the sacrifice of Christ has accomplished was counted for righteousness. It gave him the right to talk like God. To operate like he's in oneness with God. Faith puts you in a position where your faith is counted for righteousness. Which means because of faith, because I believe, therefore I can talk this way. Because I believe I now have the right to act like I am the extension of God. That I am one with him. I can talk like him. I can declare and I can declare whatever he has decreed. I don't have to say, Jesus, come up. Jesus, come down. Do this, Jesus. No, the word of faith is near me even in my heart and in my mouth. The word of faith which we preach. You follow me? What it is? What mean? I'm not saying Jesus, do it. Jesus come. Why am I not doing that? Because he says, hey, 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 the word is near you. You act like me. And if you're going to act like me, you're not going to ask me to do it. You're not going to ask me to do what I've told you to do. You go ahead and do it yourself. You talk to the monk in yourself. Is there a place for prayer? Of course there's a place for prayer. But then there's a totally different place when it comes to declaring and decreeing what the Lord has already decreed. And functioning in that place of authority. Which is many times where Christians fall. And when, they, or when you do that, what happens is, you end up praying when you ought to be decreeing. And as a result, you have a total misapplication. And it's not going to work as right. It's not going to work as well. You know, if you try to use a knife to remove that, 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 that screw there, when you ought to be using a, a, a screwdriver, you're going to probably just bend the tip of the knife. Have you ever noticed that? Or if you try to use, um, I don't know, a knife when you ought to be using a hammer. Wrong application. You follow me? So, there is a place of the authority. So, what am I saying then? So, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. So, then, I must now act first, like if I'm one with God. I must now act and talk and speak and have an attitude that says there is no condemnation, that says, I have all, I have, that, that says, I'm free from shame. I'm free from guilt. I'm free from insecurity. I'm free from fear. I'm free from all of that stuff. And, and, and so on. I must now act like these are my rights. These are my privileges. I don't have to plead. I don't have to beg. This is how it is. And then I must act as one in authority. You follow me? Amen? Now, we're not going to go much further. But if we were to, and we're not going to go much further. <laughs> Then what, we, then, then, what, then what I would have said if we were to go forward was now we come over to the sacrifice of Christ. And now we come over to what Jesus has already done to give us this righteousness. To, to end that separation. Remember? By his sacrifice, he came to put away sin, that separation. And now, which means this sacrifice is what will cause me to now be established in, in these four aspects of, the, of, of my righteousness. So then I'll come over here, and once I find out what the sacrifice is, and I begin to do whatever the sacrifice says, I will automatically find myself functioning in the righteousness. So when I find out that this righteousness, this sacrifice has has not only was Jesus crucified, but bam, I was crucified with him. And because I was crucified with him, I'm dead to the world. The world is dead to me. I'm dead to people. They don't have no voice, no authority, no intimidation, manipulation, or anything like that. Because they're dead and I'm dead. And then also too, the law, with all of its demands, uh, it's been nailed to the cross. I'm dead to the law, etc., etc., etc. So I recognize I'm crucified. No, because of that, man, you cannot offend me. Now I cannot be offended. You can't offend a dead man. You see, so now I apply that crucifixion. Now I applied the crucifixion and all of a sudden no, I'm going to find myself operating in righteousness. That it's no longer I, but it's Christ that lived in me. Now I've applied the, the burial; that, that old nature is dead. <clears throat> then I recognize the resurrection. I'll be raised up with him. Not only was he raised up, but I was raised up with him and now his life is my life. And I've been made to sit together with him at the Father's right hand by virtue of ascension. So now that's where I'm operating from. So now these principalities and powers, they're underneath me. And from that place of ascension, I have authority. So now again, I'm operating in righteousness. And then there is the blood that is part of that sacrifice, that has washed me, that has cleansed me. So that there is no shame, there is no guilt, there is no condemnation, there is no none of that. Now again, I'm operating, I'm just applying that blood. And here's an aspect of, this, of, of, of my, of my um, righteousness that I'm automatically walking in. Then I apply the life of Christ that is now my life. And then as a result of that, i more establishment. I apply the, the reality of the authority in the name of Jesus. Bam, here comes the more authority and the life that comes out of that name. And I apply the great and precious promises through which I can pull out that divine nature. And what am I doing? I'm operating in my rights and privileges. So as I begin to operate in the eight aspects of the sacrifice of Christ, I find myself, the more I practice that, that here I am. I'm established in righteousness. Hallelujah. And the Bible says if you do that, then the fruits of righteousness will also be yours. Well, what are the fruits of righteousness? What comes out of it? Holiness? What comes? God only? What comes out of it? Healing? What comes out of it? Death destroyed? What comes out of it? Even life and immortality is brought to light. I like immortality. It's called immunity from from death. Glory to God. That's called divine health. Divine health. You know what divine health is? Yes. Don't be sick. Don't be I'm not talking about getting rid of sickness. I'm not talking, I'm talking about don't even be sick. Don't be Glory to God. It's available. Hallelujah. If Jesus did it, it's available to us. Hallelujah. Praise God forever.